Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Day 18 of World Cup 2018 is done. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that as part of our podcast, coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by Ian Wright, the former England forward who's doing studio work here in Russia for Fox Sports and other global outlets. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss from just outside Luzhniki Stadium, where he covered today's extremely surprising Russia advancement to the quarterfinals, eliminating Spain on penalty kicks after a 1-1 tie. Uh, The other result tonight was Croatia advancing on penalties also against Denmark after a 1-1 tie. And Brian, how are you, man? I'm walking through puddles. Um... It figures that the first night or in a while that I've got to do this kind of outside. I can't really sit down because everything is, is soaked. Um, and there's people, like there's still people hanging around the stadium. It sounds like there's a party going on. Maybe it's either a VIP thing or it could be for staff. But there's like a whole like like dance club that's been erected outside of Luzhniki. Um, and there's like something, something and whatnot. And Russia's going to the quarterfinals. It's... Uh, I remember we talked, I said something a few shows ago about like the, the polarity of, 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 you know, the sports world being reversed and, and now even more so. Like it was just sitting there watching this unfold and watching Spain, um, you know, pass and pass and cut and, 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 you know, try to sap the will to live from Russia by keeping the ball. It was actually the reverse that was happening and it was remarkable. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you an idea of where I am. You're outside Luzhniki Stadium. I am in my usual spot in Red Square outside, which is why you can hear all of the Russian fans celebrating as they're walking on the bridge uh, uh, just outside me here. And it's something special when a, a home team goes deep into a World Cup, no matter where you are. The last time I really felt this was in South Korea in 2002 when they got to the semifinals. And whenever they won... Uh, in that tournament, especially in the knockout rounds against Italy and Spain, the whole country felt like one giant party. And that's kind of how it feels like right here. And, uh, you know, for ordinary Russians, this is kind of a, a very cool moment in the their fandom for their country. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, we've said this before, but can't overstate it enough. Um, they, they were expecting to be humiliated. They were guarding themselves against being absolutely humiliating in this tournament. Um, this, this is a team that hadn't won in eight months. This is a team that was the lowest ranked team in the tournament. They had one or two recognizable names. Um, you know, this was a low point in the history of Russian football that this World Cup was happening. And so for them to have, have progressed this far and now playing Croatia, you know, Croatia is very good. But Croatia also, I was writing, but, you know, out of the corner of my eye watching a chunk of that game, they looked pretty pedestrian for significant chunks of that game. So you're now talking about a game. Look, if they can, if they can handle Spain and, and handle, I mean, like survive by the skin of their teeth, but if they can manage that game, they're going to think they can manage the next one too. And it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, what, what Russia did today, um, obviously anyone who thought playing 11 behind the ball, you know, basically, you know, a block of five, a block of five, um, you know, and then to withstand the, the, the patience you have to have as an opponent is knocking it around and knocking it around and trying to probe and trying to find the space in between the lines, 
trying to knock the ball in behind to someone, trying to set up a combination that you, can, you can't shut off for a second. You know, one mistake, one glance the wrong direction, and you've lost your guy. Just the amount of concentration it takes to do what they did is absolutely insane. Um, and they did it for 120 minutes. Um, and so it was kind of the death of Tiki Taka tonight. I mean, uh, you know, Spain did not have the dynamism. Spain did not have the creativity. They did not have the, the change of pace. So often when we see these teams, Barcelona, Spain, whatever, kind of knock the ball around, it's then that, that explosion, that quick spark that puts the defense in a disarray. That was not there tonight. Diego Costa was a mannequin. Um, and, and it was a, and, and Fernando Hierro said afterwards, you know, like, you know, the, the, the way we played, the trends adapt, tactics, tactics adapt, the world has adapted to us, um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's turning the page in a new era for Spain. You know, I feel like there was some adaptation here, but I also felt like the Spain team forgot the move part of pass and move. They were just so stationary, the, the whole game long. Yeah, Costa especially, agreed. Yep. You know, and I guess... I can sort of understand what Yero was trying to do by not starting Iniesta, but once he brought Iniesta on, he at least brought some something that unbalanced Russia a little bit in a way that hadn't been going on before. And I, I want Koke off midway through the second half. He, he never came off, and obviously he missed one of the penalties. Um, I, I felt like this Spain was missing something progressively as the tournament went on. Uh, and it was various things. It was De Gea letting in a howler against Portugal, but also not saving balls. We're so used to seeing him save shots that he's not supposed to save with Man United. That didn't really happen in this tournament. We're used to seeing Sergio Ramos and Gerard Piquet be a rock in the central defense. And both of them were poor in this tournament. Both had bad mis- bad mistakes this tournament. Tonight it was PKs with, again, like, what's your hand doing all the way up like that, dude? Yeah. Like, you've been playing the sport at a high level for a really long time. Don't do not do that. They, 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 Spain, Spain had, Spain scored an early goal, right? So they take the crowd out of it for the 12th minute, I think, on the own goal. You know, go for the jugular. Get up, step on their throat. Do not let them back in the game. And Spain's lack of urgency, their lack of, 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 not only did they not only did they not have the move part of pass and move, but Isco was really the only player who looked dangerous on the dribble, looked dangerous one on one. I mean, if you're not if you're not able to pull defenders out of position with passing, passing and movement, you got to beat them one on one. That's the only way to that's the only way to sort of collapse the house of cards. And they couldn't do that either. And and their sort of their their blasé kind of approach um, was kind of meandering about the field. You know, knocking it around sideline to sideline, 30 or 40 yards from goal. There was no urgency to get that second goal. And then all of a sudden, it's a tie game with the PK handball. And Russia's got a new sense of belief that we can do this. This is working. We can, we can hold out. It was a real food mentality from the Russians. They're good at that shit here. They got statues all over the city for that kind of stuff. It, 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 they, they, they embraced that mentality and, and it worked. Um, and you know what? Hero after the game was not blaming the referee. Was, you know, there was a potential missed call. Uh, it looks like either PK or Ramos or both just pulled down in the box and stopped at the time. Um, but wasn't blaming the players, wasn't blaming the, the, the Federation, Lopetegui. You know, I think, I think that he understood, it seems, that this team, like you said, was really missing something. Um, they won one of their four games here. They, they played four games against teams they were better than, and they, they won only one of those games. So they deserve to go home.
Yeah, and for a brief time, I thought that the managerial situation with Spain firing Julen, uh, Julen Lopetegui two days before their first game was not going to be a huge issue. These were the same players. They're veterans in most cases. But I think it really showed itself today, especially a little bit in the previous games, where there was no plan B, there was no plan C, there was no urgency, even when it was late, um, and they should have been going for a goal. And I just don't understand why Spain decided uh, trying to get a 2 nothing lead was a bad idea. Because that's basically what they did. Yeah, the, the, the lack of urgency was sad. Um, seeing, obviously seeing Iniesta go out like that. You know, he made a penalty. His last kick of the ball as a Spanish player was successful. But, you know, you got to think that him and, and Busquets and, and Pite and Ramos, and this just the last link to the tiki-taka revolution to the world championship team of 2010. The page is going to really turn on that now. And so, like I said, it is a new era, I think, for Spain. Um, and another another heavyweight gone. And, Dan, you got to be thinking, like, we were talking about this upstairs during the game. Like, if you're if you're Uruguay or Belgium, and you're thinking, man, you know, if only we were on the other side of the bracket. Like, you know, <laughs> instead of having to beat France and Brazil and all that kind of nonsense, um, you know, they got to they gotta feel hard done by with the way this tournament's shaken out. Um, but, uh you know, Spain and, I mean, sorry, Croatia and Russia, one of those teams is going to the World Cup semi. Yeah, and I was disappointed by Croatia as much as I was about uh, by Spain, to be honest, tonight. I thought Croatia was the best team in the 32-team tournament during the group stage, and they weren't able to carry that over against a Denmark team that was difficult to play against. But not a great game uh, at all. Uh, two early goals in the first four minutes, and then things pretty much shut down after that. There was a late penalty that Casper uh, Schmeichel saved uh, on Luka Modric, and then it goes to penalty kicks, and uh, a couple great saves by both keepers. Subasic ended up having uh, one more than Schmeichel did, and Croatia advances, and I feel like they got a bit of a lifeline, uh, and now they get to go against Russia. So, like... Don't take anything for granted here, but I think Croatia's got a real opportunity. Is there like it's louder? Is there is there fire that you can see? Is there is there <laughs> new to me? Like what what's happening? So I'll give you a sense of what is happening here. We just had uh, Clarence Sedorf and Alexi Lalas walk by. Uh, Alexi even said say hi to Brian for me. Um, we just had Gus Hiddink behind me on a phone call. Uh, he's a happy camper after his old Russia team got through the day. Um, And then I've got a Humvee camouflage tank-like thing on the street next to me here, about 20 feet away with uh, four camo officers standing outside it and sort of eyeing me suspiciously as if I'm the guy they need to worry about. Um, But there's no, like, I just saw on TV the flares in the streets of uh, Croatia and we're not seeing that here. Uh, we're just seeing a lot of happy Russians, people with Russian flags walking around. Um, it's still early, keep in mind. It's, uh, well, it's 12.20 a.m. So uh, they shut down the bridge in, ter- in terms of car traffic, but it's all pedestrians. So uh, quite a few people in Red Square celebrating, as you would hope uh, when your national team upset Spain in the World Cup to eliminate them. I mean, this wasn't a situation where Russia got the easiest group in World Cup history. They got to go against Spain, and Russia is alive and Spain is not. 
So, so Eric Stover from the Cosmos, I guess, created a, uh, a, a Brian and Grant podcast drinking game that I was only just made aware of. Um, so we're, I, I mean, our, this whole World Cup's a drinking game, but it has things on it like, like every time I curse, obviously, you got to drink. And every time you ask people to subscribe, you got to drink and that kind of thing. But anyway, one of the things people got to drink to if they're playing this terrible game that's going to get everybody dead is every time I mention the capital, like you got to drink. And so like Ovechkin was here tonight. Ovechkin was in the stadium with uh, uh, Denny Malkin apparently was here. And obviously that makes me, makes my skin crawl a little bit. Um, King Felipe from Spain was in the house. Um, Medvedev, the Russian not president anymore guy, um, was here. Infantino was here. So there was like bumper VIPs here for this game. And the, and the volume was remarkable. Loudest game I've been to at the World Cup. Um, one thing that's interesting is that sort of in my discovery that Russia is like bizarro America in many ways, um, they don't have any good songs either. Like, like, like they just chant the name of their country. So it's like, well, we do USA, USA, and that's kind of all we can come up with. They just do Rosia, Rosia over and over. <laughs> they do it. They do it. They're all like barrel chested here. Like they're big. They're just, it's loud. And what was kind of neat is that when extra time ended, when the 120 minutes ended and it was confirmed we were going to penalties, the cheer was real, you know? And so it was part like, like what an amazing accomplishment to take this to penalties. But there was also this like, we're going to win now. You know, like, you know how this turns out. The team that bunkers for 120 minutes wins the shootout. Um, so the atmosphere here was incredible, and, and I imagine it'll be even more so as they continue in the tournament. But this is a, a monumental stadium. keeps close to 80,000 people. It's massive. I don't know if it comes across on TV, but um, tonight was electric. Um, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a Cinderella run uh, for this team. Well, I'm glad you got to cover uh, a good game in person, or at least an interesting game. And uh, we move forward. Let's do this again tomorrow. All right, man. Go jump in the fountain. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Ian Wright. Let's bring in our interview guest for today. I'll apologize for the sound, but you're going to get some atmosphere from here in Moscow's Red Square because the Russians are pretty understandably happy about... uh, beating Spain and getting to the quarterfinals in this tournament. Ian Wright. Hey. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure, Grant. Pleasure. Thanks uh, for having me, man. Yeah, it's been really great getting to know you a little bit Thanks during this much, tournament man. and work with you. And, yeah. and um, it's a pretty crazy tournament. You know something, Grant? It's, it's, what I love about it is, is that it's, um, it's been unpredictable from the start. You know, the whole thing about Russia getting it. Everybody's saying, oh, Russia, what's it going to be like? They're not going to be able to do it right. It's going to be a nightmare. They don't want these people and that people. It's been magnificent. And the games, to be fair, apart from the France and Denmark up to this point, um, the games have all had something on it. And now we're getting into the stage where the jeopardy of the penalties. We've just seen Russia beat Spain on penalties. It's, it's just been fantastic. It's been amazing. So many unpredictable things. Germany going out yeah. in the group stage. Spain going out yeah. against Russia. We're recording this in between the Russia-Spain game and the Croatia-Denmark yeah. game. So we'll see what happens tonight. Um, but in terms of one of my reactions to Spain going out yeah. was they were supposed to be the powerhouse on yeah. that side, the weaker side of the yeah. bracket. Yeah. And now one of those other teams yeah. is going to be in the World Cup final. And one of them could be England, you my friends. You know something, Grant? I'm not. I'm not joking. It's something that um, that I think about. I think about it sparingly because 
The fact is, we, we've beaten Tunisia, and I was quite pleased with that because that was tough for a little bit, and we, we got through it. We beat Panama pretty comfortably, and then we rested a lot of people against um, Belgium, and Belgium beat us 1-0. So we're still, I still don't know where we are in respects of performing against a team of a, of a, of a certain calibre and how we're going to react in certain pressure moments. But what, I've got, what, I've, what I will say is, is that the, we have progressed from 14 and 2016-year-olds and we've progressed. He's taken us somewhere else and there's a different belief. So I think that there's a different belief in the, in the camp. So, and I feel that Gareth is giving them confidence continuously. So he will know and the rest of them will know. You, you, you list them there, Grant. Germany out, Spain out, Argentina out, Portugal with Ronaldo out. You know, you, you know just, to, just to name those guys. And that's, that's for massive t- countries. So you look at this side of the draw, we're on it for whatever reason. And now it's, it's just down to us to see the opportunity what's there and just do the best we can. Because let me tell you something, when I saw France and Croatia up to this point, France yesterday was frightening. Oh, yeah. And anybody who's going to be winning this tournament are going to have to beat France to do that. And that's going to be a tough call. No, you're right. I mean, you look at england Colombia round of 16 as yeah. well. One big question is, James, will yeah. he be healthy for this game? Yeah. But let's assume he is. Yeah. How do you think England matches up with Colombia and what we've seen from both teams so far? Well, <clears throat> Ames will be a massive difference in that middle because he's got that, he's got that kind of number 10 genius kind of vibe about him where he makes them tick. They, when, when, the way they played the other day, they beat, they beat 3-0. They, I can't remember who it was they beat. Poland. Them. That's it. They, they hammered them. And I, I thought Poland were poor anyway, but they really dismantled them. And they done it with pace and power and skill and verve and the crowd were amazing. And they done it pretty comfortably. And they, you know, like we saw them in 2014, how good they were once they get on a roll. And so it's a situation where, like I say, we've got some defenders and a goalkeeper in particular who are yet to be tested at the level that they might test us in respects of Falcao's clever little runs, little run he made to score that beautiful goal. What he finished with the outside of his right foot, you know, Quadrado. You know, they've got they've got pace and they've got forward offensive players that can hurt us that we haven't been tested with yet, Grant. So, you know, it's going to be a tough game, and I have been looking at it like James will play. How fit he will be is a different story. Right. But then the, the the flip side to that, Grant, is that if he doesn't play or if he plays and pulls up, what re- what kind of negative reaction will that have on their team and that is what those are the things that you have to look at as well there's something a phenomenon i've described as the diego forlan syndrome of players who have a bad experience in one country and then that country thinks he's not a very good player forever even though he goes on to another country and is very very good i think there might be a little diego forlan syndrome with falcao here do you think there's any way that people in england even players might underestimate him you know what, we don't underestimate him simply because what we saw him do before he, he, he left um, Atletico Madrid and went to, to Monaco, we saw him score four goals against Chelsea one time, which was devastating finishing. Mm-hmm. A striker that we thought, oh my God. But he came to Chelsea, came to Man United, and I, I just don't he wasn't fit. Yeah. He wasn't right, as simple as that. Tried his best to get fit for the World Cup, wasn't right. But he is still a goal scorer and a striker of supreme quality. And given the chances, and given the chances created to him, 
he's probably going to take one or two if he get, if he gets them because that's the kind of striker he's he's not that player he was. People can underestimate him at their peril, but he's somebody that the way he took the fit, the goal against Poland to finish it off. See, I've, like I said, I probably would have done that with my left foot to make sure I got it there. To do that with your right foot and be so precise is somebody who's in confidence. Somebody's desperate to get to the World Cup with his two ACLs, had to wait four years. Now he's got here, then he scores his goal. They're ready to go. So, you know, he's somebody that we have to make sure that we pay attention to because the movement that he has for people like Stones and Maguire, obviously we've got the pace of Carl Walker. They're going to have to be on their toes. Give me a scenario on what England will do if they're going to win this game. Well, for a start, we, we're going to have to we're going to have to be a lot more concentrated in respects of defense defensive wise. We've got to stick to our game plan, which is we want to play out from the back. We've got to, we've got to have people who want to receive the ball in areas that we see what what Spain didn't do today. They weren't passing through the lines. We have to make sure that we've either got people who want to break through the lines, Jesse Lingard. Maybe Loftus Cheek or Deli Ali making blind runs on the ghost side, or we've got, to, or we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we've got the wing backs getting into areas where they're blasting that ball into the box, and for Harry Kane because we've got the top goal scorer in the tournament, we've got to get the ball up there. We can't be doing this sideways passing, which doesn't suit us, which we've done for many years, which Gareth has kind of taken out of us. He's made it clear he wants to play from the back, and it's vitally important that if we want to continue to succeed in what he's trying to do we have to stick to our guns if it starts to go against us now some of my listeners may know this maybe not all mm. your son is Bradley Wright Phillips who yeah. is one of the best scorers in the history of MLS <laughs> to some of my listeners maybe you're Bradley Wright Phillips dad is, that, is how they yeah. view you I, mean, I don't mind that how have you how have you kind of responded and thought about how how well he has performed um, in MLS I, c- I can't Grant, for me to sit here and try to explain to you how proud of Bradley I am. Um, it, we, we haven't got enough time and I haven't got the words in my vocabulary. The fact is, is that he's, he's had a hard time in England and he was somebody that I always, I always had faith that he's a, a proper, proper goal scorer. Now, you may get people in England who will say, yeah, MLS isn't the same. So it's, 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 a, it's a mind thing. Hmm. It was a mind thing. When he scored goals and he got on a run, he, can t- he could score goals, but he, he, he can have a spell where he's not scoring and it kind of got him down. That is gone now from him. He knows now he's a, he's a goal scorer, and I've always known he's a goal scorer, but he had a little bit of bad luck in England. He came to America, and I have to say, someone like Thierry, who I love, um, you know, he helped him and his agent, Darren Dean, with New York, because I think it was Mike, what's the, Mike Peck? Mike, Mike Pecky. Yeah, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to get rid of him. Huh after his trial he wanted to get rid of him and Darren Dean had to go upstairs to the, to, 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 to the people upstairs and say listen you've got to give him a time you've got to give him a little bit more time same thing with Thierry in the end he done that I think someone got injured he came in scored and never stopped scoring since then and then in the end that Mike whatever his name is is somebody I don't really like um, because he didn't give him the opportunity as much as he until he um, until Darren Dean went over his head and got the chance so for Bradley to be doing what he's doing now he's so happy in New York and you know recognised as one of the greatest goal scorers in the MLS history is something that I'm immensely proud of I'm so pleased that the hard work what he's put in has, has paid off because he himself Grant will tell you didn't take football seriously enough huh. and, and then once he got it yeah. it really cl- it really it really clicked fantastic we've loved having him in terms of your 
participation in American television. Yeah. You were with Fox during Confederations Cup yeah. last year. You're doing, obviously, World Cup this year. Yeah. Spent a lot of time doing studio. I know you're working for other outlets, too. Yeah. ITV, yeah. Yeah. Um, is it kind of cool for you to do this much stuff in America? <laughs> well, you know, I've always wanted to do stuff in America because, you know, everybody wants to do something in America and, and be successful at it. You know, with social media, you always, you always hear what people think straight away. And, you know, and, and of course, there's people who are not as enameled by my punditry, but there's a lot of people, I've got to say, who are, who are very kind um, with their compliments because the thing with me, Grant, is I don't try to... I'm not saying anything for effect. I'm not trying to say anything because I want people to like or dislike me. I'm looking at a game to analyze it and try to give insight. Yeah. I'm not doing anything more than that. And when I'm watching a game, I'm in it. I want to make the American public know about the, an analytical side of why a striker didn't take that chance or why a goalkeeper didn't move his feet quick enough or why a defender is not in the right position or why a midfielder is, is not checking where he is first before he, reads the, before he receives the ball. These things are the things I want to make sure that if it's there for me to see when I'm doing a libero, I want them to I want them to know that because I want to make sure that they they're getting the kind of insight that you have to get when you sit down, watch a game, and there's pundits on there who are being paid to explain to you what's going on in the game. Yeah, I think we're entering a phase in the United States with soccer, and it's it's been happening a little bit over yeah. the years. ESPN did a good job with yeah. the World Cup, but where really people savvy fans in the United yeah, States a lot want to talk about the soccer. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, and what, I'm, what I'm pleasantly surprised with is that there's, you, I get some good stuff, some good tweets about people who are, you can hear that they, yeah. they're knowledgeable, they know what they're talking about and, you know, and, and, and it's, really, <clears throat> it's really good to hear them because, you know, you get a lot of chaff, you know, which is, is, just comes Part with the territory. But the fact is, um, I, I've got a lot of respect for the, the knowledge of uh, American fans very cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It's Ian a pleasure, Ryan. Grant, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss and Ian Wright, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And we'll see you tomorrow. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.